G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Craft Doctors, I'm your host Stevie Fizz. Today we've got a very, very special episode, it's the listener episode. So many of you have reached out uh, over the course of The Craft Doctors and wanted to tell us uh, your stories, tell us about your league. I'm not sure what you had in mind, but we've decided to go the way of uh, having listeners send in clips where they sort of talk about their league. Uh, rather than having on a whole bunch of people or doing different week stuff. Uh, we might change the format next year if we keep going with the series. We'll see how things go. But uh, I certainly want to thank everyone who submitted a, an audio clip to tell us about their league. There's some really, really good stories here uh, and some some crazy ways people have set up their league. I love it. Uh, today, we'll be drinking... well. If I'm being honest, I was going to record this on Wednesday night, but I've got the week off work, so I'm recording it Thursday. I drank the uh, Benspoke uh, Descent 22 uh, birthday beer from Benspoke as a uh, stout. Um, it was it was decadent to say the least, coming in at ten percent, uh, very malty. Like it was like the the super rich dessert. It was there was no chocolate or anything flavors. It was. Um, yeah, it was like, it was kind of like a black forest cake, but without the, the chocolate, it was, you know, a bit of vanilla and, um, sort of that deep, rich flavor. It was, yeah, it was one to sip on. It wasn't, wasn't something you crushed about, crushed a six pack of. I, I just had the one and went to, to bed and, and had a really, really good deep sleep. So, uh, I would absolutely recommend the, the Descent 22. And it was like, yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, it was a really good beer. Um, certainly enjoyed it. Uh, for keeping you up to date on what happened in the home league, I got knocked out, unfortunately, by Ross. So we'll talk to him next week after he loses to Costa in the grand final. Uh, playing Taylor Adams, obviously getting injured, killed me. Uh, I had Steve Cornelio as a laid out. So I, I, I ran two streams that really didn't work out. I had a couple of Eston small forwards and, and they really did absolutely nothing. I think Ross had a laid out with Dylan Shield, but um and he had a sort of a well, he, he sort of I think he had two laid outs because he had Brandon Ellis and we sort of got into this weird loophole situation where because we, we don't allow loopholing. I, I don't really have a problem with it, but um the the movers and shakers of the league do. So um I, I let him have this emergency that he probably could have replaced or should have but um in the end it didn't really matter i think it was it was pretty solid 100 point win so yeah he had two laid outs in the end with dylan shield he had to drop dylan shield because he played the loophole early so um not sure what the wash up was there we'll, we'll see how he goes and uh certainly wish ross good luck but uh up against costa looking for his fourth in a row it sort of shows <laughs> the talent <laughs> talent of the league unfortunately but anyway Let's get in to the listeners. We're going to kick it off with our man, Nick, who's been writing uh, uh, writing our articles all year. He's been doing a great job, uh, especially the last couple. I've really enjoyed them. And he can tell us about his league. Hi, I'm Nick. My team's the Battlers. We started our league in high school in the early 2000s, so it's been running for 18 years now. My team was named Hurdy's Battlers, but the supplement saga caused a minor rebranding. It's not a clever name, but it's been so long now it's just stuck. Our league name's also pretty uncreative. Due to an administrative error, our league was first called Enter League Name, and we've stuck with it. 
We varied formats a few times over the years. It's currently an eight-team dynasty league with a 5-7-1-5 structure. We've got eight on the bench and four rookies, so it goes pretty deep. We do list and redraft four every year, so people get to keep their favourite players year on year and more or less keep their list together and develop a list management strategy, which we really enjoy. Four teams make finals. We don't have a buy-in, but instead we have a ridiculous trophy that we all chipped in for when we were young graduates with too much disposable income. It cost about $1,500 and consists of an honour board with a wooden podium on top and three trophies on top of that. It sits about 75 centimetres high, and our partners absolutely dread the idea of one of us actually winning the thing and having to bring it home. The winner's name gets engraved by the last place getter each year, which has caused some controversy due to some real subpar engraving skills. There's also a golden turd trophy for the winner of the bottom four finals that the AFL website makes us play. That was due to one year someone complaining and trying to claim that their team that finished fifth was the second best team in the league. So that was the trophy they received from the league instead. The goal of our league tends to be to take as many pot shots at the commissioner as possible, which is me. As a result, I created a league constitution, which is a 20-page document with all our rules and bylaws. So if there's a dispute, people tend to pour through that and find out at the end that the commissioner has veto power anyway. As well as the trophy, the winner also gets a video message of congratulations from a player on their team through Swish or Cameo, which is always good fun. We've also had people in our league who know or have made contact with various players. One member of our league was so thrilled that Harry Perryman replied to his message on Instagram that he named him permanent captain over Brayshaw or Bontempelli, something which he told Harry Perryman and was replied to with an offer of a beer, which was fantastic. Something else that sets our league apart is that we've used an auction draft to pick our initial squads. It took two full days as everyone had a nominal salary cap and we had to then have an individual auction for over 200 players. We also turn off waiver and free agent picks um, as we've got really deep benches. Instead, we've got two mid-season drafts. So with the combination of the auction and the mid-season drafts, it means equalization is really good. Players started with a really even um, spread of lists over the eight teams. And whenever someone drops down through injury or poor early season drafting, they get to come back to the pack really quickly, which keeps everyone interested. I'm in the grand final next week, which is exciting. I tend to completely stuff up the draft every year, then fix it throughout the year with trading. One of the reasons we moved to a keeper format is for the trading component. With bottom teams chasing youth, there are some really great avenues for mutually beneficial trades. This season, I've made moves like trading out Raul, Jackson, Simkin Day, Amon, Rayner and Ward, and brought in players like Lloyd, Guthrie, Duncan, Took and Lyons chasing that elusive flag. The best part of our league is definitely the banter in the group chat. It's been awesome to keep in touch with people for so long and have a reason to reach out and have a chat each week. Yeah, wow, $1,500 trophy. Uh, what can you say? <laughs> that's, um, that's crazy. Uh, the 20-page constitution, my God, and uh, Harry Perriman is a permanent captain. That is, whew, that's wild. That's wild. Next up. Andrew is going to tell us about his league. Uh, I certainly would never be able to play in this league with its buy-in. But what a hell of a league. Kick it off, Andrew. Stevie, thanks for having me. My name is Andrew Del Pozzo. I want to talk about our league, which is in its eighth year. We're on the AFL Fantasy platform, which has never really been a question for us. We've always used it. Good app, good scoring. We just do a single season draft league, so no keepers or anything silly like that. And we play it pretty standard. We don't have any weird scoring or anything. But one thing we do have is 
an emergency for under 40% TOG. It's pretty controversial. Uh, a lot of traditionalists prefer the injuries, um, but I think that's just nuts. Um, our league is called the Huge Dream Team League, as in the Huge, short for usual. And for what I gather would be somewhat unique, we actually have 32 teams over two divisions with an incredibly brutal relegation and promotion system. Um, that means eight teams compete in finals for both divisions. Um, four teams go up and four teams go down. And relegation in Division 1 is determined by the bottom eight finals. So not bottom four, but the bottom eight finals. So that means that there have been some really, really unlucky teams that have just missed finals and then lost two in a row and actually ended up being relegated. With 16 teams, we bat pretty deep in the play pool. And so we go in with 11 on the field and four on the bench. And that is that three, four, one, three. Um, I am actually the long-standing commissioner of the league, which is the bane of my life, but also Look, something I don't think anyone else could do. My team is the Vrigley Verms. And unfortunately, the Verms haven't seen much success in their time. But they can claim to be only one of the four teams that have never been tainted by Division 2. And that's, thankfully, this week we survived um, a relegation playoff. And we have some, yeah, we'll be in Division 1 again for 2023. In terms of buy-in... We're obviously pretty serious competitors. It's $200 to play. Uh, the real thing is pride, though. So, you know, it's obviously a big kitty that you win at the end, but pride's what's really on the line. We do have a cup, actually, somewhere, but I don't know, I don't know where it has ended up. Some, some dodgy coach has it hidden in their, in their wardrobe. So, end of season party. We're uh, really trying to kick this off, but yeah, going with um, some in-season games to really drive this up and, and something to really bring the divisions together. Um, so there are a couple of us who own a cocktail bar in Richmond and we're throwing there on that final Sunday of the league, of the, of the um, league, we're doing the fantasy grand final watch party. So we'll set up a few TVs and really get into the teams in the grand final. Um, but throughout the season, round low scorers um, owe cocktails to the round high scorers. And then there are additional cocktails for anyone who's um, gone with back-to-back zeros, which is also a good way to stop like tanking and, and keeping people interested. We do have one pathetic coach, who I do hope is listening to this, who owes seven cocktails on the day. He will also be wearing a potato sack, which is the punishment for the wooden spoon team. But that cockroach actually managed to win his first relegation match over the weekend, so he could somehow actually survive if he wins again this week in an upset. To keep matters interesting as well, the bottom eight finals actually counts for something else too if you win it. If you actually win that, you get now what is like the first choice of selection into the draft order game. It used to be that the winner just got the first pick there, but then there was a bit of retaliation to that. But this year it's going to be something about the World Cup that we're going to use. So the first 
uh, the winner of the bottom eight finals and the winner of Division Two get their choice of teams to go with in, in what is a bit of a sweep. But yeah, look, that's our league and I hope, hope you found it interesting. Thanks listeners. And thank you, Stevie. And yeah, good luck in your own grand finals and final series coming up. See ya. And go Verbs. So that's, it's like another person who they, they own a bar and much like uh trigger who owns the mill like where are these invites we need we need to get the draft doctors down to these establishments uh i love the promo relegation leagues if you can get enough committed owners that's um yeah that's brilliant absolutely love it but uh, and the potato sack <laughs> that's awesome um next off we have joel telling us about his uh 18 team league so kick it off joel Hi guys, name's Joel um, from Melbourne and just firstly before I start, um, just want to thank the guys for the opportunity to come on today and discuss the madness that is our 18-team draft league. Um, so yeah, been listening to the Draft Doctors for four to five years, I think, um, and we've had our 18-team 5715 league going for, I think, five years as well. Um, our leagues had a different winner every single year, which has kept the league extremely interesting. Um, and especially through like COVID winters, um, we take, started taking it really seriously, um, to the point where it is now. Um, bit of a rundown, um, on the league. Um, so yeah, we play 18 team, 5715 Murdoch ball, as you guys will call it. Um, I really think with leagues as deep as ours, Civicoach scoring, um, helps so much more um, as suddenly like all the key position guys are extremely relevant and valuable. Um, and definitely in like that mid to start of late drafting range, um, the guys are really starting to focus on drafting those guys um, as they can generally have like pretty strong job security. Um, and plus the volatile scoring of those guys can win you weekly matchups. Um, we have a $50 buy-in, um, and the prize pool gets split between first and second. Um, and we do head for head scoring with top eight finals. Um, every year, um, we meet up in person to draft face to face in a big circle, um, with 400 picks to plus to get through. Um, it's often an extremely serious process that goes long into the night. Um, but yeah, this year we may also made a decision to go five on the bench rather than four, um, the COVID related decision. Um, and it's probably meant the waivers got a bit too ridiculously grim, like earlier in the year. Um, and our game focus has probably shifted towards more wavering in players that might now have a safe spot in the 22 due to injury rather than a focus on scoring power of those players he wavers in, which has been interesting in an aspect. But yeah, I think next year we're definitely going to go back to four, four on the bench rather than five as yeah, that difference of 20 players extra in the pool that are probably playing. Um, yeah, it does make a fair bit of a difference. Um, like I mentioned before, um, the league's extremely competitive. Um, and it's been really, really tight every year, except last year, bit of a, um, a self trumpeting last year. I, um, Averaged 150 points more than second and, and ran away with the league a bit after the buys. But yeah, apart from that, it's been really, really tight every year. This year's no exception as well. 
Um, guys are always trawling Bigfooty and Twitter on a Monday to try and get their extra edge um, for Tuesday waiters. Um, and further to this, everyone's really, really quick to pounce on a Thursday once teams drop, um, especially towards the beneficiary of a big out um, that was unexpected occurring. Um, a large majority of us all play local footy at the same club. Um, and with a 6.15 training start, um, there's always someone rocking up late in the toilets or changing rooms, just loitering around after the commencement of training, just to wait for those teams to come out. Um, that's normally me, but yeah, there's other people involved with that as well. Um, yeah, many of the boys in our league believe that the draft is what got them through winter lockdowns in 2020 and 2021. Um, it definitely gave us something to focus on, um, when every other enjoyment had been taken away from us for two years, <laughs> there's only like so much PlayStation you can play in this period. Um, I'd love to play Keeper League with our group um, as player retention year to year in our group um, is superb, but I do worry a bit that guys would throw the towel in completely um, after a poor season. The appeal of um, starting fresh every year and shoving your propaganda down everyone's throat from September to March inclusive is um, something I think way too many people, including myself, love so, so much. Um, speaking of propaganda, the group chat is, um, well, that we have for it is ridiculously active. Um, there's days where we can get close to probably 1K messages in there as well. Um, and it's always a nice, safe haven for me to spew Keaton Coleman propaganda, um, even in August and September 2021. Um, thanks for the opportunity to talk about the madness that's our league. Um, if anyone has any suggestions on how to get 17 other blokes to put on their big boy plants and pay play keeper league, um, I'm all ears. Thanks, guys. Yeah, the um, yeah the the lockdowns were tough. Um, thank goodness we're we're away from those days. I guess you sort of had to cling on to whatever you could. Um, it's certainly, you know, doing the ISO drafts, we had a good response um, on the on the draft doctors. So, yeah, I mean, thank goodness. But anyway, yeah, the training, the, tra- <laughs> the training track, <laughs> team checking, uh, that's legendary. That's legendary. That's an absolute Magoo's move right there. I don't know. We'll see how you go. Um, next, the, the man who's the bane of my existence, Chris, he's going to tell us all about his league. Uh you're an absolute ball breaker, Chris, but thanks for sending uh, this drop in. Hi, my name is Chris or CK. The listeners probably best know me as that annoying guy that campaigned to get Cam in the intro this season, which was absolutely one of the proudest achievements of my year, getting Cam in the Draft Doctor's intro. Um Hopefully, it won't be my proudest achievement of this year. Hopefully, my proudest achievement will be winning the flag of my home league. I've been doing fantasy for 15 years. AFL, NFL, redraft, classic, keeper, dynasty. And I've never won a flag in a league I care about. Of course, I've won one here and there and random leagues you sign up for with a bunch of guys with no banter or whatever. But in a league that really matters, a home league like we're talking about here, I've never won it, and this is hopefully the year, and that would then become my proudest achievement for the year, and perhaps my lifetime, uh, and beat out the present achievement of the CAM intro success. The league I'm in is called Hotel California. It's called that because you can check out uh, mentally, as some coaches often do, looking at you snakes, but you can never leave because of the jackpot. 
which I'll discuss in a moment. I should note that that's sort of untrue because we did let one trash coach leave the league by the name of Moose. We let him sell a majority interest of 90% to another coach called Vamsey, who came in, gutted the team completely, made a whole bunch of trades, and set about an aggressive rebuild, which he stands by, will bring him to absolute glory uh, in any moment. His team's ready to blow up. This was three years ago, and since joining and doing this, he has won one game. But he lives in eternal optimism. The point of the jackpot is because we are wanting to have it mean something when you win the league financially. And not just win the league, win it dominantly. So we each play 100 bucks a year. 50 bucks combines with everyone to the winner of the season for 500. And the other 500 goes into the jackpot. You get the jackpot when you win three flags. Not consecutively, just three flags. And when we do win three flags, we would have to reset the league, which I really don't want to do. Because my team, Gawliver's Travels, anchored by Max Gorn and Clayton Oliver, has been dominant for the last three years. I lost a grand final, I lost a prelim by a handful of points that Dom Shee didn't score me, and uh, I hate that guy so much now. And uh, this year I am primed to win it. Uh, I finished top, and we play in what I think is the supreme finals format for fantasy, specifically in the 10-team league, which is a top five finals format. For those unfamiliar uh, it's very, and for those perhaps not living in South Australia like we are, it's reflective of the SANFL final system, whereby the top team gets a double chance and a buy, basically only needs to win one game to make the grand final. Second and third, get a double chance. Fourth and fifth, just got to win it from, win out, win all their games to make the grand final. I think it best represents uh, and fairly rewards home and away performance for fantasy in a way that other final systems do not. When we started the jackpot league, we wanted to make sure we had absolute uh, equity in terms of how we acquired players in the initial draft. So for the first 40 players, we did an auction. We were nominally given $100 each, uh, and we were able to bid for players based on the top 40 uh, for that year as listed in the superior format that we play in Supercoach. We've got a couple of awards. We've got a mounted Hotel California record uh, that we put the name on a, on a wooden block. It's incredibly large and cumbersome and glorious. Uh, and we also give out an award uh, for the worst trade of the year. It's called the Plaxico Award, named after former NFL player Plaxico Burgess, who managed to shoot himself in the foot in a nightclub during one off-season, like literally with a gun. So when you make a horrible trade, you're awarded the Plaxico uh, I then got a little Plaxico figure and mounted it to a wooden block. And then the first winner of the award, Sis, managed to lose it somehow and replaced it with a Moana toy on a wooden block, which I am not pleased with and uh, require him to rectify at some point. Lee's been gone for a couple of years now. And uh, we've one guy, Richo, has managed to win two flags and is still in the hunt this year. We're really hoping that he doesn't win, mainly because we don't want to reset. And also his ego will go through the roof to an unmanageable level. Rounding out the league, we've got some of the usual suspects. We've got Chappie, who comes to the draft looking like he knows what he's doing. And then the league pans out and it's clear that he didn't. 
We've got the bud who's the opposite, comes with his handwritten notes with no clue, and then ends up performing. We've got the hardlock story, Scooter. Been intent. He's, I've been in a number of leagues with him over the years, and legitimately, he has lost 10 grand finals without ever winning a flag. We've got Kurt. He's softly spoken. He's won a flag, but he's been unable to capitalize for the jackpot because trading with him is like drawing blood from a stone. He would literally sell you his child before he would sell you one of his players. And then we've got the commissioner, all important in one of these leagues. Hodson does an incredible job wrangling this league, these egos, stirring the pot, making the decisions, and keeping the group chat spicy. And when it comes down to it, uh, a fantasy league, in my opinion, lives or dies about how good its group chat is. All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah, the cam intro. I'd... Doss did a great job with it, that's all I can say. But it's a thing, fine, we got there. Anyway, the penultimate man uh, to tell us about his league... Odin from the third year breakout. I love this league setup. So, Odin, tell us all about it. Hi, my name's Odin, coach of Delisted and commish of the third year breakout league. It's a 10 team league that runs a 5615 field and has a squad size of 40 with captains on and waivers off. There's a three week, six team final structure, and we're in our second year currently. Between seasons, you can keep up to 30 players. However, this league is not a pure keeper league. It runs only for three seasons. There was a $150 buy-in at the beginning of season one that buys each coach in for all three seasons, and the league prizes scale to encourage winning in later seasons. So, for example, the season one winner only got their $150 back, and the season three winner will be in for a $600 uh, prize. Um, with a bunch of other prizes for minor premiers, the second year winner, all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, encourage, encouraging that, that keeper aspect of planning for a couple years in the future, but still needing to be vaguely relevant now. Um, our first year winner, the Tigers, seems to have figured this league out very quickly and looks likely to win the second year also. Um, this may be on the back of maybe the most woeful trade in the league's history in very, very early in the first year, uh, he managed to get steal off one of our less experienced coaches uh, for Parford and Shull, so really putting him in a strong spot early. Um, I myself came second last last year, which was, you know, a bit shit, but I've rebounded to fourth place this year, and I'm in a very, very fourth place team. Um, realistically, we've had some solid... Uh, Solid highlights, lots of videos on the on the Facebook page, including the uh, initial draft order game where I attempted to race some paper boats and they all just sunk. Um, and then the coaches changed in the league anyway, so that video and the whole process was null and void anyway. But anyway, if uh, the idea of a keeper league with an end date appeals to you, uh, I'm pretty likely to set another one of these up because it's been loads of fun. So uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Skillbreakers, and have a good one. Yeah, look, I, I love the idea of having a deadline on keepers. I, th I think I've spoken about the Empire League structure, but I think this league, you sort of know when it ends and you can plan accordingly. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, so many things could go right, so many things could go wrong. $150 for three years, uh, I don't know. 
I like it. Don't know about the steal for uh, Parfit and Shoal trades. That's um, it didn't work out. And last, listeners, check this out. This is he's got a bit of a story to tell. It's um, it's a hell of a history lesson. Brad is going to tell us all about his long, long, long running league. Holy shit, this was a journey to listen to. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Check it out. Hey, Steve, it's Brad Johnson here, coach of the BJs from the Wet Dreamers comp that has been running since 1997. So I thought I'd have a chat mostly about what it was like trying to run a draft comp without any sort of platform. Um, the only choice we had was to use the newspaper comps that were run back in the day. Um, and some of your listeners would remember this, but um, yeah, they were as like ancient compared to now. So they had a entry form they'd release at the start of the year would be a page at the start of the sports section, which listed most of the players and the points value assigned to each of them. Um, they had all the usual positions. They also had full backs and full forwards. And you would um, pick your squad. Um, you'd have a certain salary cap to spend and you'd write it down on the side of the entry form, cut it off, mail it in, and away you went. So it was very different times to, to now. Um, the point system, I can't remember. I think it, um, I think it was pretty similar to now. Um, it would have been very similar, but I don't know exactly what it was. I don't remember if tackles were included. But you wouldn't know what your players had scored unless you get some rough idea from the radio maybe if they mentioned the stats. But the soonest you really knew is when um, the next day the newspaper, you'd get the, the stats section. You'd, you'd look at the, your players. You could calculate what you thought they might have scored. Um, and that was as quickly as you could get it really and then the actual results of what your players score wouldn't be released till Tuesday or Wednesday after so you had to wait um, and they, they tell you I've got some old cutouts here I'm a bit of a hoarder so I've kept some of this stuff which I haven't done years but they, they publish the top 100 scorers each week and um, for the year as well um, so you, you get your name in the paper that way but if you're outside that top 100 you didn't you know you had no idea where you were ranked. But I just noticed you could ring a rankings line on 1-800-366-098. They'd charge you $1.45 a minute. So you could ring up and pay your money to find out you ranked 47,000th, which is, I thought it was pretty funny. And if you didn't, weren't happy with that, you could ring the helpline to its own number, and that also charges $1.45 a minute. Just, I don't know what who's on the helplines and the end of that, but I thought that was pretty pretty um, alien compared to what we got these days. And that was, I think, the main... One of the main differences, obviously, being pre-internet. I mean, there was internet then, but only nerds used it from, from my memory back in the late 90s, uh, as far as I was, I was concerned back then. But just the lack of info. Like, today we've got everything um, everything we need at our fingertips, but back then if someone debuted, you, you wouldn't know who they were. You know, you wouldn't know if they'd been playing well in the twos or what. There's very little information out there. So there's a benefit to that, though, because you could... Um, you could have some guys you sort of knew about through however means you could, and then um, they'd be sort of not 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 many others would know about it. So you could be your sort of secret players, whereas everyone's known now. But anyway, we tried to. Um, well, my brother and his mates came up with the idea of um, doing this, doing a draft comp based on this. So we um, got eight coaches together and set up a fixture and had a draft night. And yeah, we all um, selected teams back in nineteen ninety seven. I'm still at the original team list here, so. The first three players taken were Wayne Carey, James Hurd, and Tony Lockett. So some big, juicy names there. The guy who won the flag, um, he also he, well, he had Carey, and he also had Steins and 
Harvey, Robert Harvey, Kudafidis, you know, some kick-ass players. Jimmy Steins was good. He was, couldn't kick for shit, but didn't matter in dream team. He'd rack up the marks and the hitouts. So he was, um, he was always a good get back then. Some other blokes drafted were, uh, Gary Ablett Sr., uh, Sticks Kernahan, Jason Dunstall. So this is some awesome late 90s names here. Shane Crawford. Good times. Um, I've kept, I've got, I found it came across the top 20 scorers of the year 2000 and the scoring system must have been pretty funky because it's very low. So I don't know what was going on there, but, um, some of the top blokes, the top scorer for that year was Jeff White from Melbourne, the Ruckman. Um, Stephen King was second, another Ruck and Bucks, Nathan Buckley was third. He was awesome, Buckley. And Paul Salmon fourth. He was great. He, um, when he moved to became a Ruckman at Hawthorne, he was, he was a machine. So, um, that's what would happen in the drafts. You'd get the ruck, a couple of rucks would go early in those early years and then there'd be a ruck run really early, like late first round, early second, everyone would just be just pulling out of themselves to get their ruckman. Um, and centers were still your engineer of your team and forwards erratic and backs, um, mostly pretty shit out, unless you could get Joel Bowden. Um, and you had the additional full back and full forward, which you had to sort of fill as well. Um, so it's, uh, it's good times. It very, um, just seems so, um, ancient compared to now, it's, it's unreal. Um, eventually we did move, uh, online, uh, when through the Dream Team comp virtual sports. I don't know if it was on AFL website by then or not, but, um, what we did there is we had to sort of, it was constrained by the parameters of the website. So you'd have to make your draft comp fit into this salary, um, uh, interface. So they have, um, the 30 players like you see now, 20 trades and a certain amount of coaches in the leagues. So every time that they, they decide, oh, league coaches, there's going to be 16 this year. We'd have to find, you know, the right amount of coaches for that season just to fit in the, into the website. But the idea we came with was like a hybrid comp. I won't go into too much detail, but, um, we, you draft your 20 players, which you're locked in. And then the remaining 10 players, you, you could use your salary to, salary, remaining salary cap to just, Chop and change during the year. So that was a really fun comp that, and there's a lot of strategy with the, with the salary cap as well as the positions. There's a lot going on. So there's a lot, a lot of different strategies. People would spend up early and go well or save their money and also go well. So there's no right or wrong, but there's always some blokes who blew their load way too early and would end up with like 14 cap, you know, rookies who were just absolutely useless for the rest of their teams. So that was always funny. And you come out of those draft nights like a, a freaking migraine because you, Try and calculate, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of players on top of each other to work out how much money you had left with a few picks to go. It was, it was always a, it was like seeing a bloody university mass exam. It was pretty full on, but that was, that was fun. That was great. But eventually that got, that, that we got over the admin involved in trying to run that. So we made the switch to ultimate footy and a few seasons there. And then, um, we switched to a keeper league and it's been in, going for nine years now, the keeper league. Um, and because we were, I guess we were pretty early on, we did attract a couple of names came and joined our comp, which is kind of cool. We had, I don't know if it's a name or not, <laughs> Jason Wilde was in our comp pretty, pretty early on. And I reckon he might have been the first player, AFL player ever to draft himself because this is like, it must have been around 2000. I don't know if anyone was doing it back then. And to be honest, if you're talking to people who weren't, who didn't know about it, they just think you're from Mars. Like, what are you doing this draft fantasy crap? What is it? And, it was pretty funny seeing people's reactions because, but we were obsessed. We were just in the late night. We were just completely obsessed. We loved it. So, um, 
it was really good times. Uh, we also had uh, David Schwartz joined our comp for quite a few years, and he was great value, and he brought in some of his other guys. We set up the um, drafts at the uh, SEM boardroom, and uh, Terry Wallace joined for a couple of years as well, and he was um, he's a good guy, and he knew more about he – he knows about the origins of how Dream Team originally came to Australia. I had a really good chat to him once about that. So if ever you cross paths with Terry Wallace, just um, yeah, ask him about how, how – it all started in Australia because um, we no surprise, but it was inspired by what was going on in America because um, they were always up and running. They're always like ten years ahead of us, aren't they, with fantasy sports? So I was inspired from them. Um, just run through through a few other things you wanted me to cover. The um, yeah, the league size was is we've got now is ten coaches. We run um, our keeper league. There's nothing too unique about it. It's, it's very big. We have forty seven players on our squad, and we keep as many as 40 if you want. So we try to make it pretty similar to AFL. Um, we have a Final 5 system. It's not similar to AFL, but it's Final 5. We've been running, like I said, yeah, since 97. I think it's about 120 bucks to get in. Um, and I'm going pretty well this year. I'm playing off for the granny this week, so hopefully I um, make it since the second semi-final. So, um, yeah, and I think looking ahead, because we've had to be pretty, pretty innovative in the early days. We don't have to now. It's, it's all very comfortable and easy. But I think we may... I suspect we may end up on the AFL platform eventually because they're, they're actually trying to improve their draft interface, whereas Ultimate Footy just don't try to improve it at all. They just, it, it's a great model and it works. It's awesome. But I, I do suspect that eventually we'll, we'll move to AFL once they, um, can fit our needs. So yeah, that's all I wanted to chat about. And, um, yeah, hope that was interesting. Cheers, boys. Bye. Yeah. Thanks for that, Brad. Uh, and, and good luck in your, your granny. Hopefully, uh, things go your way and just a massive, Massive thanks to all the guys for taking the time uh, to submit their their stories and tell us all about their leagues. There's some just wild stuff. Hopefully, you listeners, maybe there's something in there you loved and you, you want to apply it to your league. I, I certainly find it really, really interesting how creative coaches get, uh, especially, you know, Brad and the boys having to do it like off the, the hotlines, <laughs> the newspapers and stuff back in the day. I can't even fathom Um but maybe we should have charged you guys $1.45 to submit these. I, I don't know. That would have been a good idea. But <laughs> that, that's not how you stay the poorest man in fantasy football. But again, thanks to everyone for submitting. Uh, the Descent 22, I, I'd recommend it. It's great nightcap beer. Um, and thanks for you listeners for, for sticking with the Craft Doctors. It's It's been a hell of a lot of fun. I've loved talking to all these people. It's uh, hearing their stories and where they've come from and what they think is important. And really the overarching theme is just community and friendship. And I think that's so true in fantasy football. It just helps us all connect and stay in touch. And uh, it's, it's such a good community for that sort of thing. So once again, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. It'll be the last show of the series, I think, unless one of the boys wants to do something bonusy the week after. And we'll recap the home league grand final and uh, maybe talk a little bit about next year. I'm not sure. I, I want to mix up the, the way we do draft order. Um, I'm getting like the wrestling's amazing, but uh, we need to start pushing back against this Costa guy. He's just, he, he's like that uh, mega mine. Uh, he's just a super villain at this point. So, all right, we'll see you next time. 